We are in our study busy in the Gospel of John. We ended up in chapter 8 last week. And I want to continue in this passage. I want to continue to see how Jesus was handling the crowd, how Jesus was handling the people. And it's also interesting for me not only to see what Jesus is doing and how he reacts, but also to see how people react when they come in contact with Jesus. See how people react. The Bible says in James that the word is like a mirror. And what do you do in a mirror? You look in a mirror and you look at yourself. You see the reflection. And if you don't like what you see, you fix it. Well, some things you can fix and some not. But the things that you can fix, you fix it. And this is what the Word of God is. The whole Word of God is a mirror. Well, I like to study people. And I want to see how people react in certain circumstances when they come in contact with Jesus. And we find it in this whole two chapters. At the beginning of chapter 7, Jesus' brother says to him, go into Jerusalem and Judea and go make a name for yourself. Because of all of these signs you are doing here in Galilee, nobody is seeing you out there. Go into the world and make a name for yourself. But we know that Jesus is never there to make a name for himself. No, that's not his purpose why he came. He didn't come to make a name for himself. He came to set the captives free. Take that sin upon his shoulders and set them free. We don't become Christians to make a name for ourselves, do we? In fact, if you go into the world and you say you're a Christian, they want to kill you. That's not, we never come into ministry to make a name for ourselves. I'm, I'm definitely not a pastor and started preaching to make a name for myself. And if, if I do, then my agenda is totally wrong. Then I'm coming here for the wrong reasons. We never come into ministry to control people either. That's how you make a name for yourself. People like you and they become your followers. Jesus was not into that. But what I do see at this Feast of the Booths, which goes on from chapter 7 and 8, and we're going to see the last part of that today, what I do see is that uh, wherever Jesus is, there is a crowd. Wherever Jesus is, people are following Him. So He didn't ask for that, but it happens. When He do the signs... People see that and they go, wow, we want to see what he's going to do next. Some people come to listen to him and then he preach. And in their own words, they say, never before have we heard a man speak with this authority. Even the people, the religious leaders, they themselves come and they say, this man is unlearned. He's a carpenter. How can a carpenter boy talk on our level? It's amazing. And this is what God does. You see, you become a follower of Christ. And you could be anybody. Doesn't matter your IQ. Doesn't matter whether you've got a doctor in front of your name. Or a professor. Or a sir. Or a mister. Or a miss or missus. It doesn't matter. God can use you to speak powerful and with authority the Word of God. My friends, they know what I'm talking about. When they go out on the street and they do their pamphlet uh, dropouts and talk to people, the Holy Spirit comes alongside them and He empowers them to do what? To spread the good news. Now these days the good news is not drawing crowds, is it? Come on brothers, tell me. Is it drawing crowds? No. It's pushing away. And that's the world we're living in. Some people are living in darkness. Well, shall I say, a lot of people are living in darkness and they don't like the light. Because the light that comes in exposes everything. And this is why it's so interesting this morning when we come to Jesus' own words. In John chapter 8 verse 12, when Jesus spoke again to the people, He said to them, I am the light of the world. We are living in a dark world. And he says, I am the light of the world. He says, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. It amazes me how many people want to walk in darkness. They do not want to walk in the light. Sometimes they come and they say it's too hard to walk in the light. 
I can't be this Christian the Bible talks about. It's better for me to walk in the darkness where all of those night creatures crawl. It's fascinating when you think about life. Now, when Jesus said this, it's really interesting to understand in the environment where he said this. He's at this Feast of Booths. From chapter 7 it started. The Feast of Tabernacles. And at that feast, every single day for eight days, they bring a pitcher of water from the pool of Siloam, and they bring it to the steps, and they throw it over the priest's hands, and they throw some of the water over the altar. And the reason they did that at this feast is to remember what happened in the wilderness, when God took them through the wilderness, and at one stage they nearly died of thirst. And God spoke to Moses and he said, hit the rock, and he did. And water came out of the rock. And God gave them water in the wilderness. Now, they are standing here at this feast and they, they use this as a ritual to remember what God did. And it's at that point that our Lord stood up on the last day of the feast and he says, everyone who thirsts, come unto the water. I will give him water and it will come from the inside out as gusher streams of water. And thus he spoke of the Holy Spirit, the Bible says. But there was another thing that happened right through that feast. You see, at night time, they had menorahs there. You know what a menorah is? It is that, it's that candle which holds, the candlestick that holds the candles, the seven of them. But in the temple area during this feast, they had two huge menorahs, huge ones. And at night time, they would come and light the menorahs in the temple court. And these menorahs at the temple court at night will give, it will lighten the whole court. And this they did, remembering what God did for them when He took them out of the wilderness. You remember, if you go back into Exodus, it reads that by daytime they saw a cloud in the sky, and that gave them direction. But by nighttime, what was it? It was a pillar of fire. And these, these people came together, and they put up the menorah, and they did all of these rituals. But you see, that was only a substance, a, a shadow, a shadow of the substance to come. The Old Testament is a shadow of the substance. The whole Old Testament was pointing towards one, and that is Jesus Christ. That is why he could stand there and he says, while they are pouring out the water, he could say, come, anyone who's thirst, I will give him water to lessen the thirst, to satisfy the thirst. But he could also say, at the same time, at this feast, these words, I am the light of the world. You see, water satisfies thirst, and light at night gives direction. You and I need the water of Jesus Christ. You and I were born with a thirst inside of us. And if we come to Christ, He satisfies that thirst totally, totally. But you and I also need direction in a dark world. And when we come to Jesus Christ, it says that He is the light. He makes this declaration Himself. I am the light of the world. And He gives direction to the child of God. It's fantastic if you see the shadow and the substance. You and I today don't have to stand under the shadow anymore. Why would you want to stand under the shadow if you can walk with the substance? Why do you have to follow something which you can't touch if you can walk today and touch Him? This is what John writes in his letters. He says, of Him, in the beginning of Him whom we've touched, whom we've seen, who we've encountered, we've heard Him. It's of Him that I'm writing this letter. And it's of Him that I'm talking today. It's His words that I'm repeating today. I am the light of the world. It's so wonderful to understand that we don't have to be clueless in, in our day and time. If we have Jesus, we have everything. He fulfilled every single thing of the Old Testament. You see, light is an electromagnetic radiation within a certain portion of an electromagnetic spectrum. Now, do you understand what light is? Well, there are seven realms of light. 
That is where we get x-rays from. They are on the upper side. Gamma rays. Uh, it's a wave. And if these waves get closer to each other, that's where you get your x-rays from. If it becomes longer and longer, that's when you go to the other side of the scale. And right in the middle of the scale is man's vision. It is where we can see things. This fascinates me. Because who believes these angels? I believe the Bible says there is angels. Can we see them? There is a lot of people who say they can see them, and a lot of people say they have seen angels. And I believe if God wants you to see an angel, He will allow you to see an angel. It happened in the Old Testament. But friend, if you and I can see one, just one step closer to the gamma rays, if we go one over, we will be able to see angels with these eyes. Isn't it amazing? Isn't God good? Some people say light is the natural agent that stimulates sight and makes things visible. An expression in someone's eyes indicating a particular emotion or a mood. Or a mood. And I've seen it. You know, people talk about that. They go, oh, the light is on. Or you sit there in front of a problem and you go, I can't get it. And then all of a sudden, the light bulb goes on. That's how we talk, isn't it? All of a sudden, I can see it. Whoa, ding, there it is. Yeah, I can understand. And then we say the lights came on. That's a way of saying it. It's a way of understanding. You see, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 16, God made two great lights, he says. The greater light to rule the day. What do we call that? The sun. And the lesser light to rule the night. The moon. He made stars also. We know the moon is a reflection of the true light, the sun. We know that there's nothing coming out of the moon that generates light. It's the rays of the sun that reflects from the moon that you and I see. It's a wonderful thing if you think about light. Light to me is bringing life. I remember the days when I was younger. We were fishing next to the Vaal River in South Africa in Transvaal. And, and one of the big things for us as young boys was, man, we're going to go through the night not sleeping. That was great for us. If we can just allow, our parents can allow us to at night time go right through the night. Not playing PlayStation and games or watching movies. No, we went to the Vile River and we were going to fish through the night. And then at some stage you get tired, isn't it? And the eyes drop and the body says you need to sleep. But everything is dark next to the Vile River. No streetlights, nothing. It, and if the moon is not up, it's really pitch dark. And I remember lying there as a boy, and, and look, under blankets and everything, we slept, slept on the ground, it wasn't, you know, stretches or anything like that. And you could lie there and you feel stuff creeping. You feel stuff creeping, you go, bang, you're up and you can't see anything. Where's the flashlight? Just a beam of a flashlight immediately takes away everything that you imagined it was going to be. Ah, oh, it's nothing. Or you could find a little buck. It's not, so, it's not so bad. But I'll tell you what I really enjoyed. Waking up early in the morning and it's dark. And they say always the darkest of night is just before the sun comes up. And I've experienced this. And you could sit there in nature and the sun comes over the horizon. And you can see the world waking up. The sun tells the birds in the trees it's time to wake up. And you start hearing the birds in the trees. And you start seeing how the night, the night creatures disappear. That little box there during the night, you don't see them anymore. It's gone. All the night creatures, all of the insecurity of the night can't see things disappears when the sun comes up. It's wonderful. Light is a wonderful thing, friends, because it is true what it says. It takes these things away. Ecclesiastes say, Chapter 1, verse 5, the sun also rises, and the sun goes down, and it hastens to the place where it arises. So wonderful, isn't it, the Bible, when he describes things. The sun comes up, it goes right over the day, and then it goes down. And then it races to the place where it is going to go up again. So wonderful how the Bible is so clear about sunrise. But there's a third kind of light. And this is the light that Jesus is talking about in this passage. 
This is the light he's talking about. What is the light? He says, Jesus spoke to them in, in verse 12 from chapter 8. He says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. What is he talking about? He's, you see, this is a different light. Because man was born in sin, in darkness. Sin represents darkness. He talks about a different light here when he says, I am the light of the world. He didn't say that I'm going to take over the sun. Though one day the sun will go away and we will live in the glory of God. That's a different message. But listen to me. He didn't say I'm going to take over the sun or I'm going to become a candle or I'm going to be an ever-ready flashlight. No, no. He's a different kind of light he's talking about here. And I want to take you back to Isaiah chapter 9 verse 1 and it will explain what type of light he's talking about. In verse 1 he says, Nevertheless, the gloom will not be upon you who is distressed. As when at first he lightly esteemed the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, and afterward more heavily oppressed her by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan in Galilee of the Gentiles. Now look at this. The people who walked in darkness, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. What is he talking about? He was talking about these people who was going into captivity by the Assyrians, northern Israel. And when they were in captivity, that equals darkness, bondage. You have to do what the slave master tells you. You know there's a slave master called sin? And if you live in sin, the slave master tells you what you need to do. And you think it is joy to do those things. But once the slave master drives you, it becomes a bondage. Reference back to this, they were going into captivity of the Assyrians, these places. He talks about Naphtali, Zebulun. He talks about beyond the Jordan in Galilee. It's amazing in Matthew chapter 4, I'm going to show you that our Lord Jesus Christ does most of His ministry where? In Galilee. They didn't want to have Him in Judea. So He went to the northern parts, to Galilee. They wanted to kill Him down there in Judea, so He went to Galilee. And what happened? What people did he find there? He found what was prophesied in Isaiah 9. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. Let that sink in. Here's these people sitting there in bondage. And then he says there's a light that came. Imagine yourself. Push down, slave master over you. It's like darkness is upon your life every single day of your life for 365 days a year. And now there comes a light. What light is he talking about? It's interesting if you read further, he tells you what light it is. In Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6. He says in 9 verse 6, For unto us a child is born. Do you see it's a capital letter child? Who's he talking about? Jesus. He says, unto us a child is born. Unto us a son, capital letter, is given. And the government will be upon his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace is he. How wonderful is that, dear friends? Now, excuse me for thinking this way, but if I am... These people, the northern part of Israel, and I'm in captivity in, in Assyria, and I'm sitting there in slavery, and it feels as if darkness is encroaching on me. Excuse me for asking, what is the birth of a son prophesied here going to help me? What is it going to help me when I hear a son is born unto us? Oh, but there's more than that, dear friends. There is a hope, there is a faith. I'll tell you what, you can sit in the darkest time of your life, but if you've got faith and hope, oh, that carries you through. And it's so wonderful to know that this is a, this is a prophecy for what is coming in the future. You see, when Jesus said, He said, I am the light of the world. The world. 
For these people, he was the light coming to them particularly. But now Jesus stands up at this feast and he says, I am the light of the world. I come for the whole world. Everybody. Isn't that nice? It's not only for the Jews. He came for you and for me. He's a light for you as much as he's a light for the Jews. In Matthew chapter 4 verse 12, and I think we should read that. So that I can just show you. Matthew chapter 4 verse 12. You see the Bible, as I said, in the Old Testament is a shadow. Although these people lived, yes, I know they were physically people living in, in the land of Zebulun back in the days of Isaiah. And they physically were taken into captivity. I wouldn't think if they were standing here today and I say you're only a shadow, they would appreciate it. But they were, they were living in the shadow of the substance to come. Even in these verses here, that is telling us the shadow of the substance that's going to come. His name is Jesus, wonderful, mighty God. How privileged are you and me to sit here today and we know Him different than they knew Him. They were looking forward to Him. And to us a son is born, a child is born. And we look at that going backwards to the cross, back to the birth of Jesus Christ. Look at Matthew chapter 4. And uh, let's read from verse 12. Now when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, He departed to Galilee. Where did He go? Galilee. Who was living there? Zebulun, Naphtali, and after much more, he went to beyond the Jordan to Galilee. I'm just showing you here the shadow and how the shadow became the substance. That's all. We're reading out of Matthew, the New Testament, years later. And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is by the sea, in the regions of, look at this now, Zebulun and Naphtali. There you find those very same two cities. So what you are seeing right in front of your eyes in your Bible, in the book of Matthew, is the fulfillment of the prophecy back in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 1. Oh yes, oh yes, I know they came out of captivity before Matthew chapter 4. I know that. But here you see the fulfillment of the prophetic word that a son is born unto you. Look, coming out of captivity helps you nothing if you are not born again, if you are not saved. Coming out of captivity helps you nothing if you're not born again. You see, these people were liberated. They did come out under the Assyrians. But now they were sitting under the Romans. Now let's read on. It says in verse 14, that it might be fulfilled which has spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, The land of Zebulun and of land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And upon those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light was dawned. Look at John chapter 1 verse 4. He says, He says, in Him was life. You see that? And the life was the light of men. He's talking about a different kind of light here. It's not sunlight. No, no, this is a different light. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. And if we quickly go through the Psalms, you will find that the light he's talking about is the following. Psalm 27 verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. He's my light and my salvation. Hence I say, you can come out under captivity. Look, if you're a drug addict, you can go into these, into these places. You can have them heal you. But if you are not being born again, all that happened is you came out under the bondage of one thing, but you are still in darkness. You understand what I'm saying this morning? He says, you are my light. You shine the light, but you're also my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Look, if you've got fear in your life, 
If you've got anxiety in your life, listen to what the Word says today. Take the psalm, write it on a piece of paper and learn it off by heart. Whenever fear comes upon you again, you repeat this, you read this verse out, you say, The Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? If light shines into darkness, there's nothing to fear. I was lying there next to that Val River fishing and I felt something creeping against my leg. Immediately fear grabs hold of me. What if it's a scorpion? What if it's this? What if it's that? You see, this is what people do. We become frantic about things that isn't so. But darkness makes it worse. It is when you stand up and you put a light on it and you see, oh, it's nothing. This is the truth of life. Jesus Christ shines the light. That's why he says, I am the light of the world. Man, just throw yourselves upon Jesus and he will shine upon your darkness. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Whom shall I be afraid of? Psalm 18, 28, for you will light my lamp. You will light my lamp. Look, let me tell you, you are dark as it is when you are born. That's not a nice thing to say today, isn't it? You are dark. You are dead. Until Jesus lights your lamp. How does He light your lamp? Through being born again. Through coming to Him. Through, through, through confessing your sins. And accepting Him into your life. That's how He lights your, light, your lamp. The Lord my God will enlighten my darkness. My darkness. He will enlighten it. Nothing else. No self-help book. No guru. He will. He's the one who lightens it. Psalm 84 verse 11, For the Lord God is sun and shield. His sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing He will withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man who trusts in You. Isaiah 60 verse 19, The sun shall no longer be your light by day. You see, we get direction by day, isn't it? If I take the sun away today, if I, if I just say, sun, go away and be dark, you and I will have problems even to get out of this room. I, I, will, I will have a memory in my mind that I need to step, and then I need to go, and then I walk there. But I'll tell you what, by the time I get there, I've lost direction, I've lost depth, I've lost uh, 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 um, you know, how far I've been, and I will just turn right, walk right into this cha the chairs. By then, you guys would have pushed the chairs forward and I will fall over the chairs. Our life is darkness. It's chaos. And here it says, The sun shall no longer be your light by day, nor brightness shall be the moon give light to you, but the Lord will be to you an everlasting light, and your God your glory. Psalm 19, 119, verse 105, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. I repeat that so many times. I say that so many times. I, I know it now, off by heart. But I feel today somebody needs to hear this and make it your own. Live by it. Do not fear man. Do not fear this world. Do not fear anything. The only thing you need to fear is God. If you fear God, the fear of man will diminish. It will disappear. You cannot put man above God. Let me tell you this. If you fear people, what are you doing? You're putting them above God. You are saying they are more powerful than God. If you're a child of God, the only fear you should have is the fear of God. How powerful is His word? And then Jesus said to them in verse 12, to these people there, while the menorah is burning there, Jesus spoke to them again and says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of light. Oh, but you see, here is where the problem comes, isn't it? In that verse, it says two directions you can take. Oh, friends, this is, this is where the problem lies. There's two directions in life. One is walking in darkness. And there's so many people still walking in darkness. It is as if they love the darkness, but it is not as if they love the darkness. They do love the darkness. They love to walk in darkness. The world is dark. And look, the world will pull you even deeper in. You have the light of life. You can either walk in darkness or you can walk in the light of life. It's either or. You can't do both. There's no gray light. I don't read anywhere here that he says there's gray area. No, can you see that? 
Oh, I like a little bit of the shadow. There's no shadow he's even talking about here. It is either light or darkness. And, 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 but he says, he who follows me shall not walk in darkness. It amazes me how you find people proclaiming to be Christians, but they are still walking in darkness. They still love darkness. They still operate in darkness. And here, in this passage now, as you're going to see as we're going to go further on, he's dealing with men living in darkness. And the problem that I've found over the years is the people living in darkness who's got the most opposition to the light. And, and if you think about this, if you're a child of God and you say, I want to walk in darkness, the biggest opposition that you're going to get is from the people who operate in darkness. They want to kill you. They want to turn out the light. Come on, you're exposing what we're doing here. Why do you have to be so straight? Why do you have to be like that? Really? You used to enjoy all of these things with us when we, when we did it. You were one of us. Now you're saying you don't do them anymore. Yes, because it's acts of darkness. It's acts of darkness. And, and Jesus said that He's the light of the world. And if, if I follow the light of the world, I will not operate in darkness anymore. But people love it. And, and, you know, it's sad to say that there's a lot of darkness going on in churches today. Because it's not preached from the pulpit, the light's not shining bright enough from the pulpits. And, and our Lord is dealing here with men of darkness. These men who He's talking to, He consistently talks against and wants to kill Him. Now there's two things that keep people from opening their hearts to Christ. Two things that we will identify. Two things that keeps people in darkness. And one is ignorance. Ignorance of the facts. We're going to see now a conversation between the Jews, which is the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and Jesus, because He made this statement. They're going to take Him on now about that. But they are in darkness, and He's the light. But one of the reasons is ignorance. And you know what ignorance do? It's blocking the mind. And we see it so often. Today the problem, the biggest problem in the world is ignorance. Not only in the world, but also in the church. How many people are so ignorant of God? They sit under preaching week after week after week after week. The Holy Spirit convicts us. The Word is strong it's in spirit and truth, but they are still ignorant of God. Ignorance, and it blocks the mind. That's why they say, I can't see what you see. The second thing that, that uh, keep people in the darkness or opening up their hearts to Christ is pride. Pride. That comes from the Garden of Eden. And it's pride to refuse to bow down to the facts and to adjust to them. You see, pride blinds the eyes. Now let me explain to you as... I show you these two things. First of all, the ignorance of facts in the presence of Him. Let's read further on in John chapter 8. The Pharisees therefore said to Him, the Pharisees therefore said to Him, You bear witness of yourself. Your witness is not true. Come on. You're one man. Let's be honest here. It's not true. Jesus answered and said to them, even if I bear witness of myself, my witness is true. For I know where I came from and where I'm going, but you do not know where I come from and where I'm going. You see, it's ignorance. He's, he's tapping into their ignorance. These are supposed to be scholars of the Scriptures. These are supposed to read the prophecies and see this is the light of the world. But that's the same problem today. People in the church don't even read their Bibles anymore. People in the church are as ignorant as these Pharisees. And I'm not just talking about casually reading your Bible. No, no. How much are you trying to find out about the man you are following to know him better? How much? So let us not point finger to these people. 
How well do you know Jesus? He says He's the light. If I ask you to testify about His light in your life, what are you going to say? Are you just going to say on an emotional field how He changed your life? Or are you going to stand up and say, man, I know Him. I know Him. Because. He says to these people, you, I, I know where I come from and where I'm going, but you do not know where I come from, where I'm going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. And if you judge, my judgment is true, for I am not alone, but I am with the Father whom sent me. It is also written in your law that the testimony of the two men is true. I want to bear witness of myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness of me. People who know who they are have confidence. Jesus says here, I know where I came from and I know where I'm going. He knows himself. He knows where he's coming from. You see, people who know who they are, they feel secure and they are stable people. As a child of God, if you know who you are in Christ, and if you know who Christ is, and you, if you know where you come from, where you are and where you are going, you will be stable and secure. You will not be like in the book of Ephesians which says you are tossed to and fro between different doctrines. You're secure. You know who you are. And you're also able to stand against the assaults and the accusations of other people. You know, I deal sometimes with people, somebody just says a word that puts them off. People can say about me whatever they want to say about me. Whatever. It shouldn't shake my world because I know who I am. I know whose child I am and I know where I'm going. And this is where Jesus' testimony comes so powerful out. People who, who is like this are confident people. And this needs to be you and me. Because you and I know where we come from, don't you? I know where I came from. I came from a sinful past. I know myself very well when I was in darkness. And the sins I used to do, which I'm so ashamed of. Then I know that He saved me. By the grace of God, He came into my light. He shone darkness into my darkened heart. And you know what happened in my heart? All those little creatures, when the light came in, they ran. They ran for cover. They ran for the shades. And then they found there's no shade. And then they had to get out and get away. I know where I am. But I'm also knowing where I'm going. Do you for sure know that if you die today, that you are going to be with Him? Do you know that? Now if you say, well, wait a minute, uh, preacher, there's a few things that we need to discuss about this. I want to suggest to you that you become ignorant, or you are ignorant. Because it's all there. It's all there. And it's not my task to pump this into you. It is your task to go and read this, to find out, to come to the place to say, I know where I am, and I know where I'm going. And it's your, it's your task to search unto Him and to call unto Him and to say, oh marvelous light, come and shine into this darkness. You see, these men were operating in that, in that darkness. Jesus know, knew where He came from, and he knew where he was, and he knew where he was going. That's why these men couldn't shake him. They couldn't shake him. I read about him, and I can't see him getting fretful or fearful or writing something and say, oh, that really got a hold of me. This is his biography, the whole Bible. And nowhere can I read that he became fearful of man. Why? Because he was secure, he was stable. But he says to them, but you do not know. You see those words? But you do not know where I come from. Some people still don't know God today. Uh, I, I want to ask them and, and say, explain to me what is God? Who is God? Will you be able to explain that? For some people, even in the church, it's a picking of the imagination. Who is God? If, if a 
pe- person you know, come to you from the street and they say, you're going to church? Yeah, I'm going to church. How often do you go to church? Man, I'm there every Sunday. Do you go to Bible? Yeah, I'm going to Bible study. Oh man, how is your church life? Man, it's fantastic. We come together. You know, it's really great fellowship. People are laughing. You know, it's really great. They don't normally talk bad about you there. And, and then afterwards, we have fantastic food, man. Oh, you should eat the food. Mwah, it's marvelous. And, and then, you know, we come to, and when they ask you the question, explain to me God. What are you going to say? Explain to me Jesus. Explain to me the Holy Spirit. Do you know that the Holy Spirit is a person? It's not just a wind. It's not, it's not just a power. It's a person. Do you know that? Have you studied? You see, these men were ignorant, but we can't just point finger. They, they say, that, you know, he says to them, you do not know where you come. You don't know where I come from and where I am going. Now, Jesus makes four declarations here. First of all, Jesus declared to them they need not to look for more evidence. Look at verse 14. I bear witness of myself. They needed to go and listen to his witness that he talked about and test it to Scripture. But they didn't do that. That shows ignorance. Then he says to them, I know where I come from and where I go. And that's in verse 14. And then he says they rejected him because of his appearance. Look at verse 15. He says, you judge according to the flesh, I judge no one. Just think about that. They saw this boy as a carpenter's boy. So they judged him according to his appearance. And then he declares to them that he fulfilled the law. Look at verse 17. He says, it is also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. I am one who bears witness of myself and the Father who sent me bears witness of me. But you see the problems, they're ignorant of the Father as well. Their ignorance. Now, he says, the Father who sent me bears witness of me. And the question is, how did the Father bear witness of him? How? Good question. First, the signs which he did. The signs which he did, every sign Jesus did revealed something about himself. In John chapter 3 verse 2, you remember when Nicodemus came to him and he says to him, we know that you're a man from God because of the signs you do. That's a witness. Secondly, the inner conviction of the heart. That's how the Father bear witness of him. How? He touches hearts. John 7, 46. The officer said to him, No man spoke like this before. There are plenty more. But for a lack of time, I'll, I'll continue on. Thirdly, the fulfillment of Scripture. How many prophecies were fulfilled in Jesus? That's a bear of witness. They were not only ignorant of him, but they were ignorant of the Father. Look at verse 19. He says, Then they say to him, Where is your Father? Where is your Father? Now, there's two ways that why they ask this. Remember that when he was born, he was born without a father. Yes, Joseph was his father, but she was a virgin. So this was a little bit of a stigma that was around Jesus. And I reckon they were standing there and saying, yeah, now we come to the point. Now we can just nail this one in. Just take the knife and push this one in there. Where is your father? You're an illegitimate child. Because if you claim that Joseph is not your earthly father, he's your earthly father, but not your real father, where's your father? See what they do? They were ignorant of the father. Jesus answered and says, You know neither me nor my father. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. You see, they're ignorant. These words Jesus spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, and no one laid hands on him, for his hour had not yet come. You see, it's, it's amazing how many people don't know God. They don't know the Father. Have you made it out for yourself? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? Have you studied the Scriptures? They ask, where is the Father? Now, let me get to the second reason why people stay in darkness, and that's pride. Pride will keep you in darkness. Pride will keep you in your sin. In verse 21, then Jesus said to them again, I'm going away and you will seek me and will die in your sin. 
Where I go, you cannot come. So the Jews said, will he kill himself because he says, where I go, you cannot come? You see, this is so powerful, Scripture verses. I could spend another hour talking to you in these two verses. First of all, it's really, really sad, this passage here when he says, and you will die in your sin. And let me tell you one thing, according to the word, word of God, dear friend, if you die in your sin, your end home after death is hell. It's the lake of fire. There's no easy way I can say that. But they are different. You say they were so prideful. Because the Jews believe if you kill yourself, you go to the deepest part of hell, and there's a special punishment for you. And they were so high and mighty and go, well, first of all, in their minds, we're not going to end up in hell. Because we're too good. We're the religious leaders. We're Pharisees. We study the Scriptures. We're Abram's children. So, if you talk about this, is he going to kill himself, they say, and then thinking in their mind, he's going to that deepest place where we will never get. That's pride. You see, that's when you come and you say, man, I'm not as bad as that person. This is where they are going. And this is where a lot of people are today. Look, whether you like it or not, you are measuring yourself up against other people. Oh, look at them. I'm so clever and they're not. I'm so beautiful and they're not. You see, that's pride. And these people are now doubling into that area. They reckon he's going to the deepest place. And then Jesus said to them, You are from beneath and I'm from above. You are of this world, and I am not of this world. Jesus is telling them there that your thinking is limited. You're of this world. I'm not out of it. You're limited by your thinking. I am not limited by all of that. So that's what you think. That's your pride. They are confined to the narrowness of this life, and he's not. They don't understand what's going on because they are blinded by ignorance and by pride. Verse 24, as we finish, he says, Therefore I say to you that you will die in your sins. And the question is why? Why will they die in their sin? Because of pride, because of ignorance, because of darkness. For if you do not believe that I am He, you will die in your sin. What is the reason that John wrote this again? John chapter 20 verse 30. Jesus did many signs which is not written in this book. But these things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And by believing in Him you have eternal life. That's the reason why I wrote the Gospel. And here it comes right down to that point. He said to them, you will die in your sins. Why? Because you do not believe that I am He. That I am the Christ, the Son of God. You will die in your sin. Then they said to him, Who are you? You see, who's your father? Who are you? Who are you to tell us this? And Jesus said to them, Just what I have been saying to you from the beginning, I have many things to say to judge concerning you, but he who sent me is true, and I speak to the world those things which I heard from him. They did not understand that he spoke to them of the Father. Ignorance, pride. Friends, in closing, those are the two things that keeps people in darkness. Let it not be said when you stand before God one day that you had all the opportunity. The Bible is one of the most printed these days. I mean, you can get a Bible anywhere to read about Him. But that's not enough. Prayerfully, say, Father, I want to know you. Jesus, I want to know you. Holy Spirit, I want to know you. Ignorance is no excuse. In fact, there's a scripture verse that just jumped into my mind. Let me just go there if I can find it. Acts chapter 17, verse 30. Let me read this as a warning this morning and we'll end in prayer. Acts chapter 17, verse 30. Listen to what, uh, what the Word says. He says, Truly, truly, surely, these times of ignorance God overlooked. 
Don't we serve a graceful God, a merciful God, who overlooks times of ignorance? And you might say, there you go, preacher. There you go. He's overlooking these times. I can still become and stay ignorant. There's the excuse. There's the out. Oh, no. No, 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 no. In this church, we don't use scriptures out of context, and we just don't parachute and then read half of it. Let's complete the verse. He says, truly these times of ignorance God overlooked, but, what does that mean? Sharp contrast. But, now commands all men everywhere to repent. There you go. You can't be ignorant anymore. He says, he commands. This is not an invitation. You see, we, we have altar call invitations in churches. It's a command. It's a command from Him. He says you cannot be ignorant anymore. But now, commands, and He doesn't just say the Jews there, He says all men. That includes women. He talks about mankind. And now, He, he just finishes it off. In verse 31. Because... He has appointed a day on which He will judge the world. There is a judgment coming to the world. There is, a, and, and that judgment is not Hillary Clinton or, or Trump or, or Putin or, or whoever. No, no, no. There's a judgment of God coming to this world. You believe me. It's coming. It's upon us. When the light's going to shine on this dark world and the creatures will run for the, for the shadows. Make sure that you don't stand with the creatures in the shadow, but stand in the marvelous light. Now listen to this. He says, He will judge the world in what? In righteousness by the man. Capital letter man, whom He has ordained. He has given assurance. This is the assurance. This is the seal on it. It's not just wishy-washy saying. Wishy has given assurance of this to all by doing what? By raising him from the dead. By a show of hands, who believe that Jesus Christ was risen from the dead? Come on. Now, if you believe that, you've got no excuse. You are either ignorant or prideful, or you are both. I find, as with these men, if you're one, you are the other as well. Help us, Lord. Help us this morning. Help us, Father. Look, we are not perfect in yourself, but we are perfect in Him. I'll leave you with that to think about. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank You this morning for Your Word. Thank You for the clarity of Your Word. Thank You for the power of Your Word. Thank you that today we've learned that Jesus is the light of the world. And he who follows him will walk in darkness no more. High corner. Near. Never walk in darkness. Isaacolo. Father, but he will walk in the light of Jesus Christ. Help us this morning. And we've learned this morning, Father, that the two things that keeps people in darkness is ignorance and pride. Help us, Lord, by the Holy Spirit, not to walk in ignorance and in pride. But everyone here, this morning, walk out of this place and say, I want to know more about Jesus. I want to walk more in the light, in the marvelous light. For there is a judgment coming, Lord. The Bible says about it in various places. A judgment in righteousness. God's righteousness. A life acceptable to Him. Where the plumb line is the Word of God. Help us, Lord, to not adapt to that, but to follow it with all of our hearts.